Well, hi everyone, Susie Petrozzi here, clinical psychologist and empowerment coach. I wanted to introduce you to an amazing guest speaker as part of our Empowered Conversations, where we get to speak from the core about issues that are really dear to our heart and issues that matter in today's world and society and community. I am excited to bring you um, Julie Jill Sweetman, who um, I've known for quite some time. Um, we have had some incidental conversations um, about technology um, and certainly how technology has been affecting um, children and families. And uh, Jill is quite an expert to be able to speak to us about that. She is a um, neuroscience specialist in learning and development. Um, she specializes specifically in areas of brain potential and learning potential. Um, and she has a wealth of experience that goes back to her former classroom uh, teacher days as a, an amazing foundation for what she's doing today. And today she's also working as a, a tutor with children very closely and families. So I want to welcome Jill and sorry for that Miss um, Noma. <laughs> Don't know where that came from. Um, Jill, I'm really honoured to have you today and to have you speak to us about a very, very important area of our life as we continue to um, have technology increasingly become part of our life. And so, you know, I want to start off by um, diving in and saying, and really asking you, what do you see? What do you see with children? Because you work with them so closely who use a lot of technology, particularly gamers. Susie, thank you. And thank you for that lovely introduction. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Certainly my honour to be with you. It, it is near and dear to my heart because I see both ends of the spectrum. I see children who've been heavy gamers and the concerns, certainly within the family environment, what that does to the dynamic, but particularly with learning, which is my area and often my, my role with them, my purview with them. But also I see the, the other end of the spectrum where there are children and young adults who have chosen not to participate in that. And I've seen the effects and how they learn and the, the difference between the two. Mm -hmm. Firstly, you asked about children who have been heavy gamers. You know, it's very interesting that there's a legacy of children who have been heavy gamers. And even though they may not necessarily be participating in games now or for greater lengths of time there is a there's a residual effect and the residual effect that I, that I see is that children are less able to focus they are less able to stay in the problem and be willing to persevere with that they may be less willing or able to be able for instance if they're doing a mathematical problem they'll only get to a certain point and then they can't go any further. Mm -hmm. So what I'm seeing is um, they've missed critical developmental milestones or opportunities in the learning to enable their brains, and we are talking about a, a change in the structure of the brain here, to actually take them to different levels. And I, Susie, it's interesting, I, I've I've agonised over this. It's what I study every day. I immerse myself in it. And I think, and just talking to you and being part of your, your viewing today makes me realise that with the, 
the games are so rapid, as you would realise. Mm. Images are so rapid and they're colourful and they're moving all the time, but that doesn't equate to the real world. Mm. So, therefore, if you if you get something wrong in a game, you know, that's okay because you're in another game <laughs> before you know it. Whereas in the real world, there are consequences for not learning that. Yeah. So that's that's one end one end of the spectrum, and it's not just with gaming, Susie. It's also with with young women, particularly who participate in social media. You know, that constant scrolling through Instagram, the the constant checking with Snapchat. You know that 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 constant need to to be there also has an effect on the learning of young women. If I take the other end of the spectrum, I had a, a gorgeous young lady whom I had the privilege of tutoring in mathematics for over two years. By her own volition during her senior years, by her own volition and the very good guidance of her family, and I must acknowledge her family in this, she chose not to participate in social media. She wasn't a gamer, but she chose not to be part of the, the heavy social media world. I asked her many times, I said, does this disadvantage you? Are you sure you're not missing out on this? You know, what's really happening behind the scenes here? And she just said, you know, my friends at school, we, we ring, I'm with them at school, you know, we do what we need to do. And this young lady, I'm really proud of this, Susie, attained the, the wonderful award of Ducks of Mathematics at her school last year. Wow, so good on her now i have to say that's not necessarily because of me i'd like to think it was but that's because this young woman was already at an advantage because she was not being disadvantaged by fracturing her her mind and being distracted. Mm. okay wow okay you've shared so much already in terms of what what happens but i want to i want us to unpack that a little bit more what happens to kids who um, have been using or have been gamers for a prolonged time. And, you know, we can get nitty gritty about what is prolonged time. Um, and maybe you can share that. Maybe you can share a little bit about that. So, you know, what you're saying is that you're starting to see how it affects their learning, for example, with maths. They'll only go so far. You know, it's, it's like that, that resilience in problem solving in stretching themselves isn't there. Um, so what, yeah, what, what else do you see? And, and why is this happen, happening from, a, from, I guess, neuro, neuro, neurological in terms of brain functioning um, perspective? So maybe if you can speak to what else you see and, and also, you know, maybe you can speak to the two different genders, not assuming that there are any differences. I mean, be, only because you mentioned the girl, you mentioned the student you were working with. Um, I mean, she's someone who's taken an empowered step to not have um, some of those, not, not have um, social media be part of her life. But what about girls specifically who are part of that and flicking through that? What do you see happening to them? So whether you want to speak collectively about the genders, it doesn't matter. I think what we need to do is have a conversation about this. Yeah. Susie, it's so important. It really is. And um, you and I have mentioned this before. Um, what happens in the brain, if I just take a, a, a neuroscience perspective of this, that when the brain is constantly in flow, it's, it's receiving heavy stimuli, it's constantly being entertained, and you've got lots and lots of images, music, sound, whatever the, the cat happens to be, 
that is because it doesn't equate to the real world and we're not asking the brain to actually stay with something to 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 learn to actually remember mm. it's affecting the amygdala because it's charging us and and we're very alert and it's also affecting the hippocampus which is the part of the brain that stores short-term memory so you and our i our conversation right now is going into short-term memory if that is being fragmented all the time by images, we're not asking each other to remember anything, we're, we're not doing this in a slower pace such that the brain can actually absorb things in a linear fashion. If that is not followed by three things, one is good sleep, mm-hmm. enough sleep, and teenagers need, believe it or not, up to nine and a half hours, even 18-year-olds. Mm. Nutrition eating protein, protein for breakfast, protein for dinner. You know, Cocoa Pops doesn't cut it for a breakfast to start. (laughs) And also exercise. So if we're doing a lot of gaming, we're not getting often the right nutrition Mm. we're snacking. Often children not getting enough sleep and children certainly not getting enough exercise because statistics show that in the US today, Susie, the average teenager spends seven hours a day, seven hours per day, just on entertainment, television, YouTube, um, gaming. Yeah. Tweens, that new new term, (laughs) tweens, are spending five hours. Mm. Now, that's a lot of time when we're not doing other things. Yeah. the, The brain is being... Again, if we look from a neuroscience perspective, the brain, if we're going through scrolling on social media, if we're constantly checking things, the brain is not slowing down enough. We're not getting to a completion of a story that the brain likes. Mm. We could go into that perhaps another time, but the brain likes a completion to a story like we do with a movie. Mm. So if we're constantly giving high stimuli to the brain, it's not slowing down enough, pausing to allow the brain to lay down short-term memory, so therefore it has an opportunity to lay down long-term memory. Mm. It's very interesting. And implications of that, implications of that, of course, you know, as you've said, there's it's learning. Um, how might it show up socially? Like besides what we might, you know, besides the kind of um, obvious that, that kids maybe are not socialising as much as what they used to, how might it show up socially? If someone's spending seven hours and that's like, that's like a full-on, well, almost the working day, not, not in this day and age, <laughs> um, but in, in a young person's life, in, in, a, in a teen's life, geez, what are, what, you know, what, what's happening there socially? What's happening there emotionally? I mean, emotions is something I'm always interested to bring into the conversation because it's, you know, my area of passion. What, what are we seeing? And then, and then what I want to know is how, what are you then passionately advocating for? What, what are you trying to do? What difference are you trying to make with, when it comes to technology in these young um, people's lives? Big questions, Susie, big questions. Uh, I'm really conscious of the choices that we're making and guiding children to make because they have as yet underdeveloped brains. And I think a lot of parents look at their children, they think they're little adults. They think that their brains are 
are structured in the same way as adults. Now we, we've gone through, many of us, different generation to me perhaps, but a lot more technology. Nonetheless, we have a, we have a developed brain. Children don't. Mm. And what we're getting is a change in the structure of the brain where the, the craving part of the brain, the brain that's, that's producing dopamine, the brain that's producing serotonin that's, that's, looking at, um, in, that's looking at inhibition, that's looking at being able to monitor our emotions and not be so caught up. Th those parts of the brains are being developed at the expense of the prefrontal cortex, which is a part of the brain that is the executive function. It's the part that plans. It says, no, I've had enough. I can't lash out at this person. No, it's time for me to go and do some exercise now. The part that mm -hmm. does that organising, it's yeah. at the expense of that. Can I share with you really important research that came out of Canada in 2019, mm. particularly from the University of Alberta, but it wasn't the only university in Canada that participated in a very similar study. They looked at over almost two and a half thousand families, and it was a longitudinal study over four to five years. They examined children who were less than three years of age and compared those children who had had two and a half hours of screen time, television time, immersion in, in some form of screen, two and a half hours over that, versus the children who'd had less than 30 minutes a day of screen mm -hmm. time. They then looked at those same children three or four years later. And what they saw, that once they got to school, the children who had two and a half hours or more of the screen time, were five times as likely to have a clinically diagnosed behavioural concern such that they, they couldn't possibly sit and focus. It's very big. When you think of the, of the um, number of people in the study, mm. five times as mm. likely and almost eight times as likely, eight times as likely yeah, to meet the criteria of ADHD. Mm. Now... This is showing that screens are, in fact, changing the structure of the brain. And to your point, socially, mm. we know that girls and boys are experiencing a lot of bullying online. In America, the number of teenage suicides has doubled in the last eight years. Mm. So socially... We're having children, and I call them children because they are children or young people, they are far more immersed in what they're being fed in social media. It's affecting their body image. You would know that, Susie, from the mm. work that you, you do, their own sense of self-esteem, am I good mm. enough? And we're, we're, being, we're being, as we know through social media, the very best of ourselves and, yeah. a, and a highly orchestrated sense of ourselves versus reality. And I think this is putting a lot of pressure on families and a lot of pressure on our beautiful young people. Mm. So, you know, when you share that, I, I think back to my days of um, working as a clinical psychologist with adolescents. So I started out doing that and working with families. And one of the big struggles at the time, which was um, over, I don't know, 17 years ago when I was still working in mental health, and one of the big things at the time was getting the kids off the computer, right? And 
I know how big of a struggle that is for parents because particularly with teenagers because you know this is this is a time of um, independence great independence separation from the parents all that kind of stuff but where what can we do as what, what can we do you know what can parents do I'm, I'm a parent but I'm not dealing with that increased um i guess uh assertiveness mind you it's coming my way very strongly and i feel like i've you know i'm really having to pull in the reins around technology use i mean if i just kind of left it open no doubt my kids would more than happy would be more than happy to spend that time on the screen because like you said it feeds their dopamine mechanism the serotonin gives them that um, it's like that. I think we talked about this, the, the addictive sense of um, behavior, isn't it? So um, I know I have to work really hard on this with my husband around what's acceptable, what's not, how often and how we're, use, how we're allowing our girls to use that. Um, when you're working with parents now, I guess, how do you advocate for what is healthy? What do you share on that? Well, you know, what messages have you got for parents, um, given what we're talking about, given the, chil the children's brain and how we can support our kids? Well, the last thing you said becomes the most important thing, and that is it is affecting the brains of our children. Mm. You know, the, the Canadian study indicates, and it's, I talk about this a lot, the choices that we're making today won't seem like choices until it's mm -hmm. too late. You see, you, you said a number of things, and it, we're all making choices. And as parents, we have a duty mm -hmm. of care to make choices for our children, particularly when the parts of the brain that can in fact determine those things are underdeveloped in every child. Mm. And that part of the brain doesn't get developed, as you well know, until the mid to late 20s. So we really have a long time to be guiding our children. You mentioned uh, you, and, you and your husband. Both of you with a coordinated effort is so important for children to see that mum and dad are on the same side with this. And even parents who are single parents to have people around them that support them in that level of guidance. Because, you know, you and I, should we choose, if we went to the local coffee shop, we could have chocolate and cheesecake every time we went, couldn't we? Mm. And we've learned that that you know, that part of the dopamine and the I want, I want, I want isn't going to do us any good. Um, we, we have to be very careful with, with how we guide. And I think there's a, there's a few questions to be asked there. When children want to go, and it's Susie, particularly in our current situation where we're spending a bit more time at home or a lot more time at home, are we giving our child a device for our benefit mm. so that we can get some peace mm. or is it for the child's benefit? I think that's the first question that has to be asked mm. because if it's for us to get some peace, we need to be aware that that comes at a cost because it's like with gaming and I've seen this with, um, with many children and where it's got out of hand. You know, people say to themselves, well, you know, what's the harm? For goodness sake, it's just the game, you know, it's just... You know, it's just cartoons or it's this or you don't see any blood but still violence. What the heck? It's not a big deal. You know, what's all the fuss about? 
the fuss is that a little becomes a lot quickly. It's like any addiction, a little becomes a little a lot very quickly. And we know from MRI scans that the parts of the brain that light up like a Christmas tree, that get in the way of learning, that get in the way of good behaviour, that get in the way of children being able to regulate themselves, the same parts of the brain light up like a Christmas tree with excessive use of screens. And again, it's, it's what they're doing on the screens, which is part mm. of it, of course, the same as if there, there was a substance abuse. So the mm. same as if it were drugs. That's and pretty I, confronting. It, yes, it is. Mm. Yeah. And mm. that's the reality. And it's that's, why you yeah. do the work you do and why I do the work I do. Yeah. And when you say, what advice do I give to parents? It's always looking for the tipping point where if there is pushback, if the child is cheeky, if the child is, you know, putting on a tantrum, so-called meltdown, then that's, you know that it's gone too far, haven't you? Mm -hmm. so if you say mm -hmm. that's enough of the YouTubes, no, no, we've got it, you know, it's time yeah. now we go for the walk. For me, it's often on the quality of the pushback. <laughs> that yeah. sounds like a, a bit of a funny thing to say, but... We, we have to determine what children are doing online. If it's just for entertainment, that really is passive consumer just absorbing what somebody else has designed, what our marketers have mm. told us we should be consuming. You see, as you well know, that behind the screen that you and I are enjoying right now, if we're looking at YouTube, if we're looking at a game, if we're look, even if we're searching the internet, if we're on, if we're on, um, I might have mentioned YouTube, there are hundreds of millions of dollars that have been invested to target what it is mm. that we're seeing. It's not by accident that those suggested YouTube videos come up at the side of what if we're watching a TED talk or something of that. Mm. So, is it passive consumer entertainment? Or is it actively creating on, on the screen? Is there something that we're doing? Is it an application? Is it, is it a game that, that is genuinely educational? Is mm. it something which, where it's slow enough? And yeah. I'm not talking at a snail's pace, but is it slow enough for them to be able to be thinking and working with something? And the last one is, and, and th this is critical for your work, and, and for our, all of our children, are they connecting in a way that is truly in an engaging manner? Mm. Sitting side by side with somebody playing a game might be fun, but am I learning to read that person? Am I learning to read the micro yeah. expressions on their face? Am I, am I picking up what their eyes are telling me? Mm. That, that's critical for the generations that are coming through that have to be able to read faces when in fact they do look up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, just on that last point, I think that emotional intelligence, what you just said, ability to, well, one, perceive my own emotions and be in tune with them, but someone else's is going to be an increasingly, increasingly like it never has been, but a skill that we need to, we need to have in order to be able to live our life more completely, I guess, but where does that come from? How do we impart that to our kids? If I am not 
doing that if I'm not demonstrating that, you know, how can my child learn that? Yeah. So this is, this is what I'm concerned about in terms of certainly, I suppose not my own children necessarily, but yes, that too, because they're going to be in a particular world with particular conditions. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm going back to what you also said. I want to emphasize how I, and I know this from my, from my psych days, there is an in, a correlation between watching what you were saying, negative content, fighting, blunt in, in, in games, in, in TV, on TV, and um, correlation between increased kind of, um, I guess, aggressive behaviour. We don't, you know, it, it's not necessarily causative, but there is that uh, association. And I see this, Jill, in my kids. Um, I don't know what show they're watching. It was Netflix. They haven't since been watching that. But I just, it was for a short period of time, I heard my younger ones say, I'll kill you, kill you. And I'm like, what? You know, alarm bells went off because I don't, we don't use that kind of language at home. Yeah. I know that boys sometimes might engage in kind of play, rough, you know, rough kind of play, but we don't really have boys. It's the girls. And it was out of context. And so I just watched and monitored and then I heard it on this show and I, you know, there and then I made that choice. No, we're not watching this cinema. I don't like the language that's happening there. And that's what I said to them blatantly. That's, that's the reason. So um, what, just to your point, Jill, there is that real, um, real impact of what is happening behind the game, how it's being created, why it's being created and it's sucking the energy and, and the attention of the viewer, the gamer. Um, and I know that, you know, we're going to link this back to what you were saying. The choices that we make today may not seem like choices now, but will later on. Is that kind of what you were saying? And I appreciate what you're sharing with parents that this is some, a lot of this is confronting. And I don't think it's just for parents. I think that this also goes for us as adults. <laughs> how we're using technology, what we're doing with technology. And our conversation alone has really, you know, the conversations that we've had leading up to our, our empowered conversation today has really made me think about why am I doing this? Um, what's the reason for it? How is this, how does this look to my kids? Not that I'm often on technology, but still being more aware of it. So um, I appreciate the work that you do. I know that it's important, but I feel like there's, we can do more of it. There's more, like I know that there's gaps. I know that there's, so how can we, you know, what can we as individuals, as parents, but also as maybe teachers, as whatever roles that we're in, what's the starting point for us? You've given me a lot to work with there, Susie. Um, I usually do. <laughs> I usually do. <laughs> give myself a lot to work with I guess what's the starting point in terms of really making technology a positive experience for us all a purposeful experience sure as a researcher I'd be I'd really be um, pushing it every day if I didn't have the computer there for me to participate mm. and and to, to learn I mean I totally. I think it's how judicious are we? You know, I was reading on the weekend a gentleman uh, in, uh, in Stanford University said that 
the most important thing we can do for children is just to have family meals for their well-being and for their health. He said singularly having family meals. And I would suggest that he means without devices uh, uh -huh. to make sure that we have that interaction and just that we have that connection. You know, Susie, we have the first generation of children who are sleep deprived. We have the first generation of children who are touch deprived, mm. touch deprived. Mm. So are we paying enough attention? I, um, I had a parent a while back um, admit in a group that she plays first-person shooter games while her baby is asleep through the day. Now, her, her time is her time. Her choices are her choices. Nonetheless, I, I was a little alarmed to think that, well, if the baby wakes up and wants mum's attention, mm. that all-important, you know, looking at mum's face for the little brain to grow, if she's distracted midway through a game, what is she giving to the child? Is she giving mixed messages to the child? You know, the what's critical, and I think a lot of people don't realise this, a child under the age of 18 months doesn't recognise what it's seeing on a device as having relevance to the real world. Mm. Under 18 months, mm. years, they just see movement, they mm. hear sounds and they see colour. They're not equating at all what it is that they're mm. seeing. So when people say, oh, but they really like, you know, they've really got to have the screen there to eat. Well, I, I can't abide by that because I, I know that what that's doing to the child's brain yeah. because the child is just being entertained. It's not learning anything. Mm -hmm. We have to remember that the, the gaming profession is uh, in 2018 was worldwide 138 worth, $138 billion dollars on all the platforms, $138 billion. There are a lot of people who play games, you know, and therefore it's big it's industry. industry and yeah. that's, it's big industry, isn't it? Mm. And what you were saying about um, aggressive behaviour and perhaps some language that, you know, mm. bleeds in that, that mm. you become a little concerned about. What we're seeing are things that become normalised in our society. Mm. And we know through through so, what we see in social media, what we hear with our, our young women, what we hear um, with the expectations around relationships between boys and girls. Um, the average age of a young person today, having their first exposure to pornography is eight years of age. Eight. Oh, wow. Eight. That's crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, that's quite actually, yeah, it that's is. unnerving for me. Mm. And if we don't have the particular devices like mm. family zone and that sort mm -hmm. of thing on our computers to monitor that, mm. they are even more likely to have it. You mm. know, I had a, a little boy that I was had involvement with for quite a while and he was very keen to get the latest and the greatest um, phone, you know, and which he was given at the tender age of 11. And so he already had set up an Instagram account. He was already getting up early in the morning and watching um, Fortnite between when mum mm. gets up and dad gets up. You know, he'd already had a big exposure. But interestingly, this child still believed in Santa. 
mm. at 11. So you see, on one hand, children are growing up way too quickly and seeing things they should never see and being exposed to the world. Yeah. And then on the other hand, they're, they're still little people that yeah. really want guidance and direction. And Susie, the bottom line is, as parents, as influencers, we have a right to know what our children are doing. Mm. We have a right, regardless of the fact that they want to be independent, we have a right as parents to know where they're going for a party, you know, who they're having over for dinner, um, you know, what school they go to, you know, who, who are the people they hang out with. It's no different online and it's even mm. more critical online. Mm. It's interesting because in order for, for us to be on top of that, for us to know what our children are doing, for us to have those honest conversations with them, and also for there to be some kind of discipline um, around usage, we need to, um, as parents, we really need to do the hard yucca <laughs> of having the conversations, sticking by what we're saying, um, having the conversations, but real conversations around with our children about, you know, what we're doing, why we're doing things or why you're, why you're wanting to do that. And for me, a big one is connecting with our children outside of any technology. Like you said, you know, you're saying first generation, um, what were you saying? First generation that's grow growing up without um, enough touch. touch. Enough touch. Yeah. yeah, that to me is really, to me, that's sad. You know, I, I really, there's a sense of sadness with that because touch is how we get our endorphins. Touch is how we feel happy. You know, like we, we went and visited my parents yesterday and we didn't touch and it was weird and we were talking about that it was weird, but at least we were, we were naming that very behaviour. Yeah. What happens when things are not named, acknowledged, and we replace with the very thing that we miss or somehow we're craving for, we don't know it, and we just keep, you know, filling that void with this other stuff. So they're questions I don't think that... Um, we necessarily have to provide the answers, but it's more around, can we keep engaging in these conversations? Can we engage as families? Can we, and I know you and I will address some of this stuff in our, in, in our sessions with, with our um, young people. Um, maybe on that note, Jill, how, how do you work with, um, with young people? So I know that you're a, you're a tutor, private tutor, uh, you know, I, I can imagine though that you go over and beyond <laughs> in your in your work um, when you are working with with young people, particularly maybe some that are gamers or that have um, that are very dependent on technology and maybe not in a it's more leaning into the negative territory. How do you work with them? Um, what are some of the principles that you use to guide your work and to guide um, maybe the parents? Mm. Mm. Thank you, Susie. You know, uh, my work is a joy. Um, my work is not my work. It's, um, it's my joy. And I always think it's such a privilege. And I've worked with children all my life um, in different capacities. And then I spent um, quite a bit of time in the corporate world, but they're just mm. kids in long pants anyway. And, and they love attention. You know, mm -hmm. so I know, first of all, my, my very first role with any, any child, any parent, any client, whether 
whether I'm doing leadership training with them, is to have a relationship with them. Mm. They have to know that they're important to me and they have to know that whatever they say is, is fine by me and that I will work with it, first thing. They also have to know that, if, that when they make mistakes, that's okay too. So, and we all make mistakes, goodness. What I'm looking for, particularly when I'm work, working, and we're talking mostly around children and parents today, I'm working very closely and looking at the micro expressions on their faces. So I will work at 90 degrees with the child. I'm, I'm seldom over the table from the child. I'm always working at an angle. Mm -hmm. I always think that's beneficial. And as I'm, as I'm working with the with the, the work over here, I'm creating a triangle between the child and me. So I'm working with a piece of paper here or it might mm. be on a screen. But th this is the element that we're working with. And then I get them to look at me so that I am watching all the little expressions on their face because I want to know how they are processing. It doesn't matter if they get the right answer or the wrong answer. Mm -hmm. I'm looking for how they're processing because whether they've been gamers or whether they've been heavy social media users or not, mm -hmm. I want to track how their brain is operating. And if they're with me, whether they're, they're with me because they're gifted and they want to be taken um, to a higher level, mm -hmm. I, I'm looking for the fundamentals. Where can I extend that? For the children who've had some gaps in somewhere along the, the line, I'm looking for how far do I have to go back and what are the fundamentals that haven't been, been identified and haven't been dealt with and that's where I go. If I gloss over that, then I'm, I'm not doing the child the greatest service or the parent the greatest service. I look for what's, mm -hmm. what's quite, not quite right and then I, we work with that and take it to where that needs to go. That's, mm. that's where I go. It's but in terms of they have my absolute undivided attention and my love and my compassion and my desire for them to be the best that they can be, regardless of what's happened in the past. The past is the past. It doesn't matter. The moment that we have together and the time that we have together really needs to be honoured. And that's where... They learn with me that the importance of that, the eye contact, yeah. that, that deep sense of I'm here for you. And mm. that's often hard to get if you're trying to do that over screen. So you and I know each other gratefully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of know? course. Absolutely, Jill. I mean, you're really talking about presence, really being there with them and letting them know that you are here for them and they're right now in that moment they are the most important thing in, in the world because you talked about relationship and undivided attention I, I, you know what at the end of the day i would say we all crave for that if we somehow particularly as adults don't give it to ourselves but as children they need to learn that they need to feel that they need to know that they have that and none of what's interesting about what you were saying none of this is about content none of this is about you know syllabus none of it no. Isn't that interesting? Uh, and thank you for picking up on that. Um, I take young people from grade three to year 12, mathematics and English. I don't do advanced mathematics. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I know where it's time to <laughs> hand that across to someone who is far better than I. 
<laughs> but, um, you know, people, people think it's incredulous. How can you teach that breadth of, of age group? Mm. For me, the content's the easy stuff. What's, where the magic lies mm. and, and where the real craft is, is, the, is how do you question the child? Most of my work is questioning. Yeah, if wow. I just tell them what to do or show them what to do, I'm not honouring what they know and I'm, and I'm really not helping the learning process. So the, the process is judicious questioning to find out what, what they do already know and how we can take that to a different level. Mm -hmm. And if I have to go back and teach something, sometimes it's, it's been missed four or five years previously, so be it. That doesn't matter. You know, once we fill that gap, like Swiss cheese, if you like, you know, once you yeah. fill that hole in another hole, all That's of a sudden you end up with a gorgeous piece of gooey, <laughs> very fattening camembert, but <laughs> you can say no to that, you know. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. I mean, that's beautiful, Jill, you know, really... Um, it, it, it's quite profound in, in what we can do, hearing you say that, what we can do with, our, with, with children, although that's sometimes harder to do as a parent, particularly now as I'm finding out, you know, homeschooling from home, well, I wouldn't say I'm homeschooling, I'm being the guide, helping them navigate that, but that it, it can, we can easily fall into, well, this is how you do it. But when we ask the questions, and it is about the questions because essentially what we're doing is we're bringing out their own capabilities and skills and that's what your, that really is your magic touch, huh? I would like to think that it was. It's certainly where I, where I hone my craft because I, I know that it's, it's in, it, what lies in the question is the answer. Mm. You know, the answer closes the question stay with the question. I remember mm. Hugh Mackay, our journalist, um, said that many, many years ago when I was studying public relations, you know, mm -hmm. the answer closes the question, stay with the question. Isn't that beautiful? Mm. And uh, I'm glad you mentioned homeschooling. May I um, direct your viewers, Susie, to um, my, my website and Please. on that I have um, a newly minted ebook. <laughs> that um, is complimentary. So all I have to do is go to www.jillsweetman, which is J-I-L-L-S-W-E-A-T-M-A-N.com. And it's on the, the front page there. So all I have to do is to download that. And, and um, they've got the first of the series there. I've, um, I've done that myself. I've gone through the resources. It is a fantastic um, read um, in, terms of, in terms of just getting us to think about this, um, what we've been, what do you call it? It's so I love how you put it, something that we've, we have to do not by choice, but the way you said, said, said it in the ebook is really fantastic. Um, and I just love some of the um, guidance that you provide in that, which is really helpful. And actually reading that really took the pressure off me. Did it? Yes. Oh. Yeah, yeah. That's because, you know, I, 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 I have my armour too. I'm ready to go in. I'm ready to take it on, <laughs> not realising what I'm doing to myself. <laughs> it's like whoever said I needed to be a teacher, oh, no, okay, I thought I had to do it all. Okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. on that note, Susie, on that note, there are, if, if we read to our children every day mm -hmm. without the distraction of the television, because I'm doing this because I've got the television in the background here, but not on. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. If we read to our children every day, if our children read to us, if they do mm -hmm. some form of writing, even if it's a couple of sentences, and even with my year 12 um, students, I say to them, look, I just want you to write. If you've just got a paragraph of three sensational sentences, I'm happy, you know, because that forms the structure of an essay. Yeah. And if children do some form of mathematics in the day, if you do that and you make sure that they have an hour or two hours of quality time, you've done your job as mm -hmm. a homeschooling parent. You know, if your child is in the later years and they're more capable of doing yeah. other things, that's fine. Mm. But please take the heat off. And um, mm. I'll be talking in the, the next series, which I'm writing as we speak, um, I'm talking more about devices and that sort of thing. So there'll be more resources mm. on that. Fantastic. Thank you, Jill. I really appreciate that resource. And in, in prep for our conversation today, because I read your ebook, you've given me some other great resources. I, it's opened up my, my mind to so many things to consider. And all of those things, um, so when I say so many things to consider in how we have conversations, just things to think about and, and choices, conscious choices that we make. None of it has to be hard. None of, none of it, well, on the one has to, hand has to be complicated, although we can make it complicated. And, and I guess I really appreciate that about how you position some of those things, how you position um, that guidance, certainly within your own work. Um, and there's so much wisdom imbued in what you do. And I think that anyone who does come, um, who does work with you is very um, fortunate because it's, like I said, you know, from what you've shared, it's not, this is not just about um, syllabus. This is about develop, developing the child and really bringing out their learning potential and brain potential. Um, thank you for sharing. Thank you for your time, firstly. Thank you for sharing um, your passion, your your wisdom and your knowledge about this area. It is so new, isn't it? It is so new, Susie, and um, we are living a giant uncontrolled experiment and we're in it. We don't have a chance to press the reset button and go back and do it all again differently. And what you said about the guidance... Um, and, and I hope I do it. And my husband and I have to keep checks on each other too, because I'm no angel and he's no angel when it comes to technology. We can both, you know, let it blow out or let it affect our language or let us mm. affect time when we should be together. Um, we're, we're highly aware of that and guilty from time to time, I might add. Um, it is new, but that Canadian research and the mm. fact that in 2019, the World Health Organization declared online gaming as a mental health disorder, these are not insignificant. These are significant developments and we're seeing, we're seeing it more and more. And also um, last year when the PISA, the PISA, the OECD assessment results came out from the previous year, you know, we, we're, we're slipping behind. I mean, NAPLAN results mm. were here where kids are slipping behind, where we've got children in early high school that are not reading to even the minimum standard, you know, 40% are not reading to the minimum standard, which is not good enough. So uh, what are they doing instead? Perhaps they're doing too much on screen. So, yeah, right. you know, screens doesn't help us read. It doesn't help us deep read. It, it scatters our, our reading. We have to be very disciplined. And what you've identified as a parent 
it is the parental guidance that's required for each other as parents of a child, but also for the child. We can't expect them to police their own fun barometer. And there are children who are successful will look back and say, I'm so grateful I had the parents that provided the guidance at a time when it was meaningful, at a time when I could have been exposed to all those other things and I perhaps maybe I was too busy inside gaming when I could have been outside doing other things mm. or having other pursuits. And it really does come back to us as influences in society. All of us are influences in yeah. society. You know, it's how true, often have it? you gone to a restaurant? I'm the lady who goes to a restaurant. <laughs> I will walk, I will walk across yeah. the full length of the restaurant and commend the family that is sitting there together talking or colouring in or playing a card game, you know? Yeah. I'm the crazy lady that does that. Please keep doing that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Mm. And I know the, the guidance that you're providing for your two beautiful girls to give them, to give them the warmth of a family, first of all, you know, good nutrition, you give them quiet mm. time. You give them the guidance, the one-on-one. -on -one. You know, I've, I've seen you, Susie, and that's not by accident. That's by design. Mm. They, they will already have an advantage in life by having that guidance. You know, kids crave boundaries. Yeah. It may not sound like it and it may not look mm -hmm. like it, but their brains are looking for that because it is such a critical time. You know, who's going to prune their brains? the media or the marketing people that are giving you entertainment and giving you things that you think you want or the people who really do know what's going to provide the best for you, particularly in a learning capacity. We can't, we can't underplay that at all. Mm. It's so critical. Mm. No, we can't. And I think that the hardest thing in all of these, Jill, thank you for um, sharing all of that with us. Um, the hardest thing really is, <laughs> is the balls, the balls in our court, really, as parents, we need to um, set those boundaries in place and, and, and boundaries don't always sound and feel nice. They can feel really frictional and tense and that's part of our own inner growth. That's part of us having to really um, feel the feel the intensity of emotions and know that um, uh, that we need to make conscious decisions from that place. As I say, um, don't become the emotion. Speak about the emotion. Why I'm angry. Why this happened, and so on. And those conversations need to become more more present in our lives, even if it doesn't feel nice. Um, that's why I do the work because I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like the intensity of emotions. Come on. <laughs> we, we say we, we teach best what we need to learn most. Ex exactly, exactly. <laughs> but, but Susie, what you've, what you've said is, is so true from the, I mean, it was, wasn't it the Jesuit said, give me the child at two and I'll give you, mm. I'll give you the adult at seven. We know that that's true. And the earlier we set those boundaries, the easier it is when they're older. If we think that when they're 14, we can set those boundaries, 
we really have missed the boat. You know, the, the gate's wide open and the horse is well and truly mm. bolted. Mm. Having said that with technology, for some families, there, there, there are families in crisis. There certainly are children who are in trauma over how much they've done. And it is a case of getting professional help and, and making changes in the home. It, it, it doesn't serve us to say it's all too late, throw our hands up in the air and let it all, let it all wash over us. We can't afford to do that. We have, you know, that we have generations of children that we really have to make sure that those children are getting what they need. And to start today, you know, it's the little, Susie, it's the little things. It's stopping with the child, getting them to look at you, telling them how much you love them, giving them a hug. You know, mm. no, there's not games before we do schoolwork. Games at the end, okay, but not beforehand. Yeah. Quality time, you know, no, dev no devices over the dinner table and no devices in the bedroom. If I was yeah. to say, you know, what are, what are the three, three, three key things no entertainment in the morning before school, no devices over the dinner table, and be highly judicious about what your children are doing online. Highly judi judicious. And they will thank you. Mm. They will thank you. Very important things that you've shared. Um, and, 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 you know, one of the things I wanted to, to maybe we can start to yeah, finish up is... Um, what you said is when you say those things to the child and you say, no, we're not having um, screen time before breakfast or late at night and, and, they, and they get all angry and they push you away, well, you're not saying that to them, to the child, so they can love you. You're saying that to teach them and instill those behaviours for their own good for later on um, because I think that in, in, in the way that we shape them, we have to sometimes expect that they're gonna, they're not gonna like it, they're gonna push us away and we have to be resilient enough to be with some of those strong emotions that come up for us. Um, I, I appreciate you also then bringing that point of, um, some of this is really challenging and hard work and we encourage both you and I, and I can speak on your part, encourage you to then seek professional help for anyone who does need that. That's sure. what. That's why professionals are around to help with that. That you don't. No one needs to take this head on. Um, I know. I, I certainly get support. I have a mentor that I speak to. I certainly speak to my husband, of course. But if you don't have that support, not assume. We can't assume everyone has that support, and not that we are. But to know to make that an okay thing, you know that you don't have to do it alone, and that even when you feel like this is bigger than Ben Hur, where do I start? Just take the first step. Yeah. I would say with that. Yeah. Um, Jill, uh, thank you so much for your time. I don't know if there's anything else that you want to leave us with. Um, we're gonna, I'm going to um, give the information again about your website, which is jewelsweetman.com. Um, amazing ebook to really get you thinking about how you can make things a little bit easier at home, easier from the sense of giving your child and yourself as a family what you need so that you feel more connected rather than disconnected because of technology and what are the, some of the steps that you can put in place to help with that. Um, but is there anything else that you want to leave us with? Oh, thank you, Susie. Um, and it's been a delight, I must say. It's important to be the parent first and the friend second. 
-hmm. Some parents get that a little bit mixed up. And our role as a parent is to know what's best for the child and not just to give in because we think that we have to be a friend. You know, um, somebody said once that um, I'd, be, I'd be hard up trying to find a 13-year-old who wants a 35-year-old as their best friend, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, the tech gurus know with themselves within their own families are very strict around technology. Bill Gates doesn't didn't never let any of his children have a mobile phone until they were 14. Mm. I mean that's almost unheard of today. Mm. Mm. Steve Jobs didn't let his children use an iPad. Steve Jobs who invented I didn't know that. <laughs> Good on you Steve. Samson of Wired magazine he said there will be no devices in the bedroom period. Good, yeah. It's not negotiable. So many of the people who've been involved with designing wonderful technology that we all enjoy mm. um, are, are just like, you know, mama and papa bear around their own cubs. So we, we really need to take heed from this and to say moderation all the way through mm. and the, and the tech gurus have gone way out of moderation that it's just banned for, because they see the other side of it. So somewhere along that spectrum, somewhere along that continuum is the perfect balance for any family and only that family can determine where that balance lies. Mm. Still, a parent must always remain a parent. Yeah. The child will ultimately love them for that, just as I do you, and thank you for being <laughs> Jill, thank you so much. Such an important uh, note to finish up on. Thank, thank you for leaving us with those important words. Um, so I appreciate your time today. I know that we'll probably continue having more conversations around this. Um, for anyone who wants more information on you, we've given their website. Where, how else can they find you? Sure, Susie. Look, I'm, I'm very approachable. They just have to pick up the phone and give me a ring. So um, may I give them people your yeah. number? Sure. It's zero four double one double one again double five double nine. That's zero four one 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 five five nine nine. And that's available on your website as well. Uh, my mobile isn't, and my email is Jill at JillSweetman dot com. Okay. Isn't? Yeah. Great. So they can get me through my website and I respond to everything personally. So um, they'll get me. <laughs> thank you, Jill. Um, thank you um, for your time. You've been very generous. Um, we look forward to connecting again. And I with you. Thank, thank you. you.